0: Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: There is this thing that has been seen on Palm Island, Florida for decades. It's just one of the many evil, scary things that are there and shows itself when it wants to. Well, this one particular thing is pure evil. It shows itself to people wearing a dark trench coat not many have seen its face but my brothers have it follows them throughout the community always at night always wearing the coat you see on palm island if you want to go somewhere you just walk no matter what the time is if you want to get home you just walk and the streets are pitch black with no street lights so it would follow them this thing is huge bigger than any man and scary as heck It would always keep the same distance behind them and in the darkness of the night, all they would hear is the sound of its hoof walking on the road. When they'd make it home, it would torment them all night, running on the roof or banging on the walls and under the house. Then when they are asleep, it shows itself to them in its true form. It comes to them in their nightmares. My brothers all described it the same way. It looks like the thing from Jeepers Creepers, Mind you, it's been after them, way before the movie came out. It's big with this monstrous face, uglier and more grotesque than you can imagine. It's got hooves, long claw-like fingers, and enormous wings, which it uses to chase them. Every time it's chased them, it's always caught them. My brother said he even tried in a nightmare to jump off a cliff. He said he'd rather die than let it take him. But as he jumped off the cliff, and as it was falling, all he could hear was the sound of wings. All of my brothers see this thing, and have been for decades now. It stands up in the darkness, holding a rope, trying to make them commit. You know what. In other times, it's tormenting them to a point where they can't sleep. If they do, it goes to them in their dreams. I know my brothers are not the only ones on Palm Island that see it. This thing just roams around Palm Island freely. Dinner was over, the table cleared, the dishes washed and put away. The living room of our small house hummed with the quiet energy of family. My wife was in her favorite chair, engrossed in a book. Our daughter, lost in a world of crayons and paper, sprawled on the floor. Our young son sat on the couch, his eyes filled with curiosity. "'Dad,' he said, breaking the comfortable silence, "'what was the craziest mission you've ever been on?' I looked at my son, seeing in his face the reflection of the boy I once was, full of dreams and hungry for adventure. I glanced at my wife, who gave a resigned nod. I had known the day would come when my past as a Navy seal would become a source of fascination for my children. So I began. We were a squad of seals sent on a rescue mission to an uncharted island in the South Pacific. There was a biological research facility there and communication had gone silent. As our helicopter descended, we saw the facility, a hulking metallic monster in the midst of a paradise. We found it deserted, the interiors ravaged, torn apart by something fierce. Inside, we discovered a single document that sent a chill down our spines. Over a thousand unknown species had escaped into the wilderness, the report said. Our only clue, large clawed tracks leading deep into the jungle. When the night fell, we realized we weren't alone. Something was hunting us, creatures bred for war, enhanced with abilities straight out of a nightmare. The moonlit island became a battlefield, a jungle, a deadly maze. I recalled the fear, the adrenaline, and the desperation as our squad fell one by one. In the end, it was just me, hiding in a dank cave, battered, bloodied, but alive. I clutched the document, vowing to myself that the world would know the truth. Then they came, men from a government secret service. They scoured the island, capturing the beast with unsettling efficiency. They found me, too, unconscious, injured on the brink of death. When I woke up in a sterile hospital room, my first thought was of the document, but it was gone. No evidence of the horrifying creatures, no proof of the clandestine operation. My story became a whisper of a memory, a tale too bizarre to be believed. I looked at my son, his eyes wide, his uh, imagination undoubtedly painting vivid pictures of my story. I smiled faintly, ruffling his hair. Remember, son, I said, sometimes the craziest stories are the ones that never get told. Several years ago, I believe I had an encounter with a small humanoid or juvenile Sasquatch. I can't say for sure due to the lack of visuals. It was fairly late in the evening, I'd say around 9.30. I don't know the month or year anymore, but it was at least 10 years ago and the weather was cool. Maybe early spring. I was working on cleaning up the property. I buy and recondition old items to sell, so I'm always cleaning up a mess. As usual, I was also in a hurry. It was dark and I was following a route in the yard, I knew in the dark. After several trips putting trash in cans and putting things away, I tripped over a stack of two tires. The trouble was I knew immediately those tires had been moved from a previous spot a couple of feet away. I busted my ass. After I hit the ground, I just paused and slowly sat up and leaned back with the top of my head resting on the back of an old Ford pickup. At that point, I looked down the side of another old Ford that was right behind the one I was leaning my head on. As I was looking, I was staring across the street neighbor's outside light. It was angled so that it would shine right in my eyes from where I sat. As I did this, a small hairy head popped out from behind the truck behind the one I was leaning on. I could only see a profile due to the lights, but it was hairy. If it was proportional, it was short. I could have sworn I saw it shake, as if silently laughing, then poof, gone. I just sat there, and out loud, in a normal voice, said, No way. That was the only visual I had, and as I said, it was limited. I've had smells that were horrible drift by once in a while. Rocks are tossed onto metal roofs, nights where I know I'm being watched. SLAPS ON MY HOUSE WERE HEARD BY MY GIRLFRIEND WHILE I WAS OUT OF TOWN. SLAPS ON MY NEIGHBOR'S HOUSE. I LIVE IN ROY CITY, TEXAS. I'M NOT WAY OUT IN THE BOONIES, BUT NOT IN TOWN EITHER. WE ARE JUST EAST OF DALLAS, TEXAS. WE ARE NEAR THE TRINITY RIVER VALLEY. IF THEY ARE ANYWHERE, THEY ARE THERE. MAYBE YOU HAVE OTHER REPORTS FROM THIS AREA FROM SEVERAL YEARS AGO. JUST GLAD TO TELL SOMEONE. When I was a kid, my dad was a long-distance delivery driver, United Kingdom. Occasionally, he'd bring me along on his trips, which would usually be about three or four days. The procedure was we'd leave his at 4 a.m. to be at the depot for 5 a.m., get the truck, and be on the road for 5.30. One morning, we'd left the depot in the lorry. Beautiful early summer's morning. We're driving along a country lane to get to the main road. Either side of us were hedgerows, about four feet five high. They were level with the windows of the cab. As we're going ahead, a big black cat, like a big cat, leaps over the hedge on the left, darts across the road, and vaults the hedge on the right. I've always thought there was a lot of truth to alien big cat sightings in the United Kingdom anyway, but actually seeing one was pretty cool. Sometimes wonder if it was just my younger brain exaggerating things, but I've asked my dad about it again a couple times in the 15 years since, and he just says as well that it was definitely a big cat of some description. Two Events First one happened when I was young and had just awoke from sleep, so very likely can be explained away as a dream or not being fully awake. But the TV was on in the living room, making static as it did in the 90s, if you didn't have cable and it was late at night. I get up, see shadow thing in kitchen, pay it no mind thinking parent or his girlfriend was in there. I turn the TV off and immediately become very scared, Realized thing was much too skinny to be either of those people. Turn TV back on and look in kitchen. Empty. I stand there for a while and probably go back to sleep. That's the end of the memory. Second was Black Canyon City. Loss, I was driving back from the Grand Canyon one weekend. Enter Black Canyon City. Leave Black Canyon City and continue the way I was going, only to run back into Black Canyon City much further down the road, like the city got up and moved or the road put some spell on me. I wrote a very in-depth post about it here a while back, I think. Some friends and I had a a fire up at Goat Mountain for the night, and we heard noises coming from all around us like something walking through the bushes. Whenever we would shine a flashlight in the forest, we wouldn't see anything, and the noises would stop for a while. Then all of a sudden a tree was pushed over onto our fire, putting the fire out and... When we shined the flashlight in the direction of the tree, a large black furry creature was walking quickly away, breaking branches off trees. I live in central Kentucky, and a couple of years ago, I was working a temp job with UPS. During the Christmas season, they hired temp workers as driver assistants who ride along next to them and help run packages to doors. This was during December. We were driving around delivering to a rich neighborhood in rural Jessamine Co., Kentucky. Rich gated subdivisions out in the country are quite common here, and we sometimes spent hours in these places, no bathrooms, leading us to have to piss into bottles in the back. So, just some context, lol. So it was December, and we're in one of these around 7 p.m., and it was already dark. We pull around this cul-de-sac, and his headlights are on, and by the side of this house it illuminates an animal I had never seen before. It was the size of a medium dog, shortish gray fur, medium-length tail. It was slinking along the side of the house into the dark backyard when we saw it. It clearly did not intend to be seen. I was like, did you see that? And the driver said it was the biggest possum he had ever seen in his life. This thing was the size of a medium dog. I can only describe it as looking like a giant ferret or weasel. I saw its head, and it had the same snout type. We only saw it illuminated for two or three seconds, and it retreated into the darkness. Before anyone says it was a marten or a fisher, Those do not occur in Kentucky, and they never have, edit. Fishers may have occurred here historically, not even anywhere close. Those are Canadian and Northeast species. And I'm lifelong familiar with coyotes. It was not a coyote. Me, my husband, and our friend were walking up to Squaw Lake to go fishing because the road was still snowed in. We decided to hike. We were about a half mile from the lake when I noticed a footprint on the shady side of the road. I called Jake over and asked him who would be walking up here in their bare feet, and he said nobody, and I asked him to come over to verify what I was seeing. The footprint was well preserved in the snow. It appeared to have been a week old print. The other prints weren't as well preserved and had melted in the snow. But still, you were able to distinguish the tracks. But it was exciting. None, the less. Unfortunately, no pictures were taken. My mom lives in rural Virginia, next to the Washington-Jefferson National Forest. There are a lot of really beautiful places there. The Appalachian Trail is in that area. I would often leave the trails and hike and climb down into ravines. Many times I found waterfalls and swimming holes that looked untouched by humans. One time I was following a beautiful stream with steep rocky terrain on both sides super isolated in miles from where I started. As I came to an open area where the water was calmer, I noticed a terrible smell. I don't know how to describe the water. It was where the stream had widened and was kind of like a lagoon. In the middle of the water was a large stone. On that stone was what I can only describe as a pile of guts. When I say a pile, I mean something roughly the size of a large buck, or maybe a large bear but just heaped into a big pile on the stone. I could not discern the type of animal it was, but it was big and was arranged in a very spooky way. I looked around the area and could see a few caves and deep crevices and just got really scared. I know hunting is popular in that area, but this was a national park. There was no fur on the animal just looked like it was turned inside out and arranged on top of this stone plus the location of the stone directly in middle of the water needless to say i backed out of there and instead of walking back the way i came i climbed up the rocks and out of the ravine no idea what the hell that was all about I had to take a jaunt in the woods to check out a foreclosed home. I was working for a psychologist at the time, who was deciding to look at real estate, and she and her husband were hoping to find a fixer, er, there happened to be an abandoned foreclosed estate about a mile from her office, tucked back in the woods with a long driveway. I was the office admin errand boy at the time, so I was assigned to take time and go see what I thought of the building. I also had a bit of an adventurous streak, and thought it would be fun to come through an old building and property so long as it was safe. I drove my little sedan down the driveway to park in the front yard of this abandoned mansion, pretty run down at this point. Most of the windows looked wither open or broken, and my first thought was that squatters had been here, or were here currently. I walked around the house to the sad yard and found the outside was decorated in old Halloween decor. About fifty plastic tombstones, lawn skeletons, etc. Interesting, I thought. Leftovers from Halloween before the place was abandoned. Teenagers having fun playing pranks. A scare tactic. Needless to say, it had my senses heightened. With the condition of the building, the possibility of squatters, and the weird Halloween decorations, I decided it wasn't worth it to enter. I walk back around the house to go to car. I get in the driver's side and text my boss. I'm on my way back and that it really wasn't worth it. I start the car and get ready to leave when suddenly... The creepiest looking woman with really worn shredded clothes is walking at a fast pace directly at my car, and I only saw her in the rear view mirror as I went to back up. My heart leapt into my throat. She kept going straight for the car, but as she approached, she was motioning to roll down my window. I didn't really feel comfortable with that, but at this point she was directly in my path if I were to reverse I locked the doors to the car and cracked the window down just enough I could hear what she was yelling. What do you want? She kept repeating it, over and over. I yelled back through my cracked window. The house is for sale and I was just checking it out, sorry. She was clearly on drugs and looked manic walking and talking with a twitchy demeanor. She finally gets right outside of my cracked window and tells me the house is occupied. She leaves the side of the car and walks up to the front porch of the house. Out of a backpack, she pulls a bag of cat food like one of those 20 pounds plus bags, tears the top off, and shakes the pellets of cat food all over the front porch. No joke, dozens of cats start pouring out of the house from every window, from under the porch, from loose boards in the siding. It was like an anthill got stirred up, and all the ants came out to attack whatever disturbed it. The woman just stared me down as I backed down the drive with still more cats coming out of the house. You would think this thing happens in remote, rural areas of the world, but the strange thing was that this took place in a decent, middle-class suburb. In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the house was only separated by about two, three acres of woods from a main highway. I work with dogs and we have had our strange encounters on the daily walks at the dog daycare before. Basically, what happened that we usually walk past a trail mainly used by city hikers in the area. It is around five kilometers long. The part of it that we walk, call it the blue trail as it is marked with blue signs. Usually during hot days we walk there with a majority of dogs that can walk long. Walks together. We follow a lead into the woods where there are a lot of shadows so the dogs can get the right amount of exercise, as well as shade from the blistering heat. The blue lead is the best one for us, as it is the one the regular dogs are used to. I remember walking second behind my boss in the lead. Behind me were some interns from schools learning about animal care and such. In the beginning of the walk we encounter a man with his two Yorkshire Terriers. He said it basically and let us pass with our massive dogs and I remember he asked where we were from walking with all those dogs. His little dogs were barking a ton and I lowkey wanted to move on so it wouldn't stress them out too much. Seemed to be a really sweet guy, though honestly around his early forties. My boss explained we were from a dog daycare doing the big walk before lunch, as we usually do. He waved us by, and we kept walking. The rest of the walk was great, though I did get blisters on my feet from bad shoes. Around the time we got back to the start and were ready to head back, we saw the same guy. He wasn't happy, and the dogs weren't there anymore. At first, I thought he had let them loose, but he was holding the leash, and his face was just distraught he started pleaded for us to help him find them he kept repeating he wouldn't be able to explain to his wife how he lost their dogs it was a pretty big forest and he was panicking and we had over twenty really exhausted thirsty dogs on our own he walked with us to the road right before the forest trail start and I cannot explain the panic on his face as one of the cars stood still in front of what I can only describe as one shaking dog and one half of fluffy mangled mess. Turns out they had been let off the leash because of a mistake he made thinking they would be able to run free in the woods and come back at his command, but at that point they weren't far off the beginning, which was exactly him the first time. He had stayed behind to let us pass. The dogs had begun chasing each other around the road, and country roads aren't usually known for having slow cars passing with regular speed. Before a car could properly stop, one had frozen in place and gotten hit. The other had been the one getting chased as it had made it out. In case you're thinking of a sudden hit and stop, that is not what I mean. I mean that there was a clear trail of blood and fur on the road smushed over, The other dog had ran to the sides as the other was hit. The owner of the car had walked out and was on the phone to try to get help because, uh, they had hit a dog that was playing and clearly the owner had to have been somewhere. B. There was another dog that was shaking and had been chased by the other one. I wish I could explain more, but I think you get the idea of the anguish everywhere. I took a day off after that. I'm extremely squeamish to things like this, and this wasn't that long ago. It is still so fresh in my memory. Not really a hike story, but it happened during a walk through the woods. The guy made a mistake and now has to live with this. The interns were allowed to quit early that day at the dog daycare. We haven't walked that trail in a while. I really hope that everyone involved can heal after this because I can never imagine how it would feel losing my dog like that. Lesson to be learned is that if you aren't certain, your dog can go without a leash. Please do not let them loose, especially not near a road. Losing your best friend is not worth it to not have to hold a leash for a few minutes. Afternoon about four years ago inside my house, three helmeted figures appeared out of light gray mist next to my kitchen. All wore helmets and loose spaceship-like suits, all with greenish glow. What struck me most about all three were big Googles each wore inside their helmets. Two appeared to be using probes to take samples from my house walls, floors, and kitchen items. Third one, acted like their leader, saw me looking, came towards me, got in my face, and mentally, angrily communicated, you can't see me, I replied both verbally and mentally. Yes, I can, at which point the humanoid appeared to be having a temper tantrum, and again, mentally, you can't see me, you're not one of us. While the above might seem strange or unbelievable to you, it's actually affirmation for me about encountering my childhood, which I'll briefly relate. I was maybe four years old. We lived rural an old couple across the street, raised a few chickens. They liked me and let me visit and help feed chickens, candle eggs. One day, I just went over to see the chickens and saw several humanoid figures wearing goggles, suits, helmets. All appeared green in color. Most had syringe using to take samples from chickens the ground wouldn't coop trees looking beyond i saw again i was only four years old not afraid just wondering and accepting whatever i saw as a child more of them in my neighbor's orchard one helmeted figure saw me looking came over and telepathically told me you can see me you must be one of us in tone of communication was welcoming and happy He shared more about them and communicated what they were doing. But that was beyond me as small child. In both encounters, I could actually sense how they were as creatures. The humanoids, to me, were clearly male and mammal-like. That's how they felt. My using capital letters for sense and felt says my having an extrasensory feel for them as individuals their minds and bodies. Over years I've had encounters with humanoids and other temporal and paranormal, creatures to include reptilian. This is my third posting on Reddit about my encounters. Each time I sent something tries to prevent my sharing. At some point I'll post how I try to handle now and over past years, A few months ago, one night a female, 22, was driving back from my friend's house while on the phone with another friend. He was on speaker. Don't worry, I don't text and drive Law. Anyways, I'm coasting through a neighborhood I've been through multiple times, chatting away when I see this tall white figure standing in the middle of the road, like right on the yellow lines, facing my direction and completely still. It was bald, and it looked like it was wearing long robes or something. The thing was also way taller than a human, because at first I thought it was a homeless person, but as I kept driving and tried to register what was happening, it like swooshed beside my car, and I screamed. My best friend was yelling, Are you okay? On my speakerphone, the white glowing thing had stood. Beside my car outside my window, just perfectly still as I drove by, and at first I thought it was glowing because of my headlights, but it was still glowing as it was beside me, still facing the road, and so tall its hips were at my eye level. I kept driving, shell-shocked. I got home safely, but completely freaked out. I asked my dad what he thought it could be because he's super religious. His guess was something from a different dimension. I feel crazy, but I know what I saw. I was completely sober and wide awake, too. Ever since this happened, it's been on my mind. I've kind of been hoping I would see the thing again, just for confirmation I'm not crazy. Has anyone ever experienced something like this? Edited. Ed, uh, thank you to everyone giving me your input and not calling me crazy, lol. I'm sorry if this story was disjointed or difficult to read but I appreciate all your comments. My wife from the Philippines, she seen a giant as a child in the province while washing clothes with her mother down at the river near their old home. My older brother and deceased grandfather explained seeing something that sounded like most dogman accounts on our family farm back in Kentucky. My mother, whom was a devout born-again Christian woman that had never in her life heard of the whole reptilian conspiracy, watched a man playing the organ in church change into what she described as a serpent for a split second. She said he had a reaction to the fact that he changed and looked around to see if anyone noticed. She was the only person that seen it and when he seen the expression on her face as she stood there looking at him, she said he just grinned at her. I'd like to add, uh, the man she seen change, although he was in church playing the organ, is a convicted chomo. Me, myself, I have in my possession a video of what I thought was a UFO, but turned out to be an orb just a bit larger than a man. It came all the way down from looking like a star in the sky to being right directly behind the guard shack I was in on the other side of the door from me. I couldn't see it with my naked eye. Only the night vision cameras, which I was able to rewind and fast forward. If you're curious how I was able to document the entire experience. I got the recording while doing graveyard shift security job in a truck dock at a cigar factory. If I can ever figure out how to combine all my videos from that night, I'll gladly share them with the community. My childhood memories of growing up in the rugged heart of Appalachia, some 45 miles away from the nearest semblance of civilization, are as vivid as yesterday. One such memory that still sends a chill down my spine happened when I was eight years old during a freezing winter night. Dad and I were huddled on the couch, the soft glow from the TV illuminating our living room. We were engrossed in an episode of Sightings, a spine-chilling 90s show that featured alien encounters. The storylines were eerie enough to scare the living daylights out of me and That particular night, the universe decided to up the ante. As we sat absorbed in the show, a sudden knock-knock on the window cut through the silence of our isolated home. The pitch-black world outside our window was a stark contrast to our lit living room, an unsettling thought that whatever was out there could see us while we were blinded to it. My dad, ever the protector, instructed me to stay put with the telephone by my side. With a mag-light in his hand, he ventured out into the bone-chilling cold to investigate. He locked the door behind him, leaving me with explicit instructions to call the police if he didn't return in five minutes. As the door clicked shut, fear gripped me tighter. When he returned, his face wore an odd expression, but he brushed it off, suggesting... It must have been an animal, yet his following actions betrayed his nonchalant explanation. He picked up our long-corded telephone and dialed his best friend, requesting him to come up and investigate. Thinking I was engrossed in the TV, he retreated to another room, but I was far from distracted. I heard him say, his voice barely above a whisper, I'm telling you there was a knock like someone was knocking on the window to be let in, but there were no footprints. I'm in my late thirties now, but the memory of that night, the knocking... The darkness in my dad's hushed conversation still sends shivers down my spine. The mystery of who or what knocked on our window that snowy night in the isolated expanse of Appalachia remains unsolved. And perhaps it's better that way. I've always been fascinated by mythology but I never expected it to be part of my day job. I'm Private Ava, a CIA agent with a PhD in history, specializing in ancient civilizations and their myths. That was how I found myself in the middle of a bustling city, staring up at a cathedral and the stone gargoyles perched ominously on its roof. The city had been reporting incidents of the gargoyles coming to life and causing chaos, a fact that was hard for me to wrap my head around, but the evidence was undeniable. CCTV footage clearly showed stone figures moving around, their stony wings spread wide as they flew over the city, causing panic and destruction. My unit was brought in to handle the situation, tasked with protecting civilians, battling these stone beasts, and figuring out how to put a stop to the chaos. And since I was the one with the knowledge of ancient myths and curses, I was expected to figure out what was causing this and how to stop it. Examining the cathedral and the gargoyles, I recalled a legend from medieval times, a tale of gargoyles coming to life under the influence of an ancient curse. The curse was said to be activated by a sacrilegious act committed on hallowed grounds. I shared my theory with my team and we started our investigation. We found out that a rare artifact, a golden chalice, had been stolen from the cathedral the night before the gargoyles came to light. I deduced that the theft was the sacrilegious act that had activated the curse. The curse could be broken, according to the legend, by returning the stolen item and conducting a purification ritual. While we searched for the chalice, the gargoyles continued their nightly reign of terror. We were on the front lines each night, using our tactical training to draw the gargoyles away from the civilians and minimize the damage. It was a terrifying sight, battling against these monstrous stone creatures under the moonlit sky. Finally, we tracked down the thieves and recovered the chalice. But the hardest part was yet to come. Conducting the purification ritual required someone who knew the ancient language, and that was me. As night fell, we prepared for another round with the gargoyles. But this time we had a plan. As my team fought off the gargoyles, I stood on the cathedral roof, the golden chalice in my hands, reciting the ancient words of the purification ritual. It felt like an eternity before I finished. As the last word left my lips, a blinding light enveloped the cathedral. The gargoyles froze mid-flight. Then, one by one, they returned to their perches, becoming lifeless stone once again. The city breathed a sigh of relief. We'd done it. We'd protected the civilians, battled mythical stone beasts, and broke an ancient curse. It was a mission I'll never forget, a testament to the power of history myth and the importance of a good team. Now, whenever I walk by a cathedral and see the gargoyles perched high above, I can't help but shudder and remember that fateful mission. And, as a CIA agent who specializes in history and mythology, I know better than to underestimate the power of a good legend. I was 10 years old in 1972 or 1973, just a kid with a whole lot of chores, one of which was to check the mailbox. Our mailbox was a bit of a walk from the house, and Gracie, my mother's Dachshund, loved to accompany me on these little adventures. It was a summer afternoon, and Gracie and I were on our way to the mailbox when we noticed a coyote lying beside it. As we got closer, the coyote started jumping around as though it wanted to play. Gracie, ever the sociable one, started yapping excitedly and wagging her tail. I scooped her up and rushed back home, heart pounding in my chest. The following day, it was the same scene. The coyote was there, seemingly waiting for us, and it began its playful jumping routine as we approached. On the third day, I got complacent. I wasn't paying as much attention as I should have been, and Gracie saw her opportunity. She bolted from my grasp and ran towards the coyote. Two larger coyotes emerged from the high grass and carried her off before I could react. I was left standing there, helpless. A few days later, I was heading to check the mail again. Life continued, even if your heart was breaking. That's how things were back then. I was shocked to see the same coyote sitting in the same spot. As I got closer, it started jumping around as if it wanted to play. This time, it wanted to play with me. I remember moving from the city a few months before this incident. Gracie would always jump up to go with me any time I went outside. My grandmother, till the day she died, believed that Gracie took those walks to protect me. I guess, in her own way, she did. She taught me the harsh realities of life in the wild, a lesson I'd carry with me for the rest of my life. I was walking the dog around my Pembroke Pines, Florida neighborhood, and came around a curve in the sidewalk street. I noticed something unusual and stopped walking, staring at it, trying to figure out exactly what I was seeing. The dog seemed more annoyed had made him stop. He did not bark or react in any way. There was a figure ahead of me, about thirty feet away, standing in the swale area between the sidewalk and the street. It was not facing me. It was skeletal, thin, or bony, taller than my five feet three frame, with whiter light grayish skin and no hair. There was something blue near its left ear. At first, I thought maybe it was a spiritual type of being, but clearly was not human. It sensed I was staring at it, looked over its right shoulder, looked at me and then looked down at the dog. Then it suddenly started to run into the middle of the street and then down the street into the next block. Its knees were backward as it ran. It began to gradually fade like the edges were the only part of it that I could see. It was glimmering and fading until I couldn't see it anymore. A friend suggested it sounded like an insect, type alien, or praying mantis alien. I'm in my late fifties. I don't drink or get stoned, and this is not a Halloween prank. I would really love to know if anyone knows what this might be.